0: We're going to talk about uh, the 2021 crop and a few things uh, to be thinking about going into the 2022 crop. This is the uh, temperature at the Dean Lee Research Station last year, last February, during Mardi Gras, the Mardi Gras freeze. And we thought this was going to be the defining weather event of 2021. Ha, ha, ha. It wasn't. It, you know, look, it took out some old stubble up there like you would expect, but really it did not have the effect that we thought it might. So it was not the defining. Uh, uh, first, the good news on the weather front, <clears throat> there was no drought in the Louisiana sugar industry in 2021. I know that brings a lot of calm and good news and good vibes to you, so no drought. Really, if you look at the uh, drought monitor right now, uh, most of the state of Louisiana is in uh, moderate to light drought. But you know what? A drought during winter time never killed a cane crop. So uh, rainfall last year, you know, this is Baton Rouge uh, information, 79.87. Uh, you know, that little 30-year 30, 30 line is the 30-year average. It keeps kind of bumping up because, look, you got to go back to 2011, for really what we consider a dry year. A little bit more regional look at the rainfall, that's from uh, Channel 9 in Baton Rouge, and you can see we've had over 100 in places, a lot of 90s, and it's really interesting to think that if you got 79 or 78 inches of rainfall, you were in a good spot, because really 10 to 15 inches less of rain meant you got in, got the herbicide out, got the fertilizer out, more so than your brethren down in this part of the world. Whoops, that's quick. All right, which way am I going? Home. Man, I'm sorry. Yeah, home. I'm sorry. Again, that that's in St. James Parish. That's on the back side of my family's place. That was probably either right before or after they fertilized. But, I mean, you know, you just saw a lot of this. And this really kind of sums it up in the spring. This, was, this is a rainfall accumulation map, and it was taken May 21st, and so that is 90 days' worth of data. So that's really the amount of rainfall we had during cultivation and you see this little normal line around 15 inches and you see some of these little uh, you know spots up here going on 40 plus inches of rain. A little bit less rain on this side the Chaffalaya, but still it was a still it was a wet year. I did this one on January the 21st because remember what we said? A dry winter never killed a cane crop. Normal rainfall for the last three months or 90 days was, you know, should be about 12 inches, and you can see we've had like two to four inches. So, I like a dry winter and a spring. Bless you. 73.76 inches of rainfall from January to September set lots of records, and it's not the first time we've had a wet spring. I just kind of found this interesting in 1926, if you look back in the history. uh, That's the low, in the modern era, that's the lowest amount of sugar we ever produced. The industry made about 5,300 tons of sugar, and you can see some state statistics, but 5,300 tons of sugar produced in 1926, we attribute that mostly to mosaic disease but you never take weather out of the picture. So you put a stressor-like weather with a disease, it's a double whammy. I found this on the uh, uh, National Hurricane Center website. That's the track of every storm since, what does that say, 1851? So hurricanes happen, and it only takes one to ruin your Cheerios for the morning breakfast. And, uh, but I just thought, like, wow. That's just a lot of storms, and you know, you might go for periods and not think of it. And you might go, you know, we've had a rough couple of you know, years here, but this is Miss Ida, and that's the track. Those wind speeds are wind gusts, not sustained winds. Sustained winds has got to hold that wind speed for three seconds. This is just a gust, but uh, it went right up the thou- southeastern portion. Of the uh, sugarcane belt, and uh, it was pretty tough. Appreciate Mike and his crew. They came to Vashray and helped out my dad and my family, and that's what people do in hurricanes, they help each other. All right, so acreage last year, acreage is on the rise, it's continuing to increase. We reported about 510,000 acres, but we had almost 2,000 failed acres last year with all. the rainfall and we're probably still trending up on the uh on the acreage this is just the acreage increase by parish a lot of numbers there but i don't want you to focus on that but you know there's another sugar cane producing parish that uh, uh that joined the crowd i guess but i was asked by a consultant to go up uh to Turnbull island i don't know if y'all have ever been up that way but that's a little piece of west feliciana parish that got cut off by the river. It used to be on the East Bank, now it's on the West Bank. And, uh, man, big old, big old uh, place. And a uh, guy named Mike Gaspard has uh, uh, got cane on it. So, West Feliciana parish. Tonnage, 15,164,000 tons of cane produced by the industry last year. If you'd, have, if you'd have thrown that number out in June, that'd have been, that'd have been a tough one to swallow, but uh, lo and behold, cane is uh, very forgiving and uh, can come on late, and we did make a late crop. 15,000 is, 15 million is, is a really good crop, but we get paid for sugar. This is 96 pole, this is what comes out of the core lab because you get paid on 96 pole sugar. 1.832 million tons Uh, Again, a much better crop than USDA had us uh, pegged at originally because they just increased Louisiana's production last month. Across the state, 32 and a half tons of cane per acre. Not bad considering all the rainfall that we had. Uh, Sugar recovery. You know, a lot of times if you can't make it on tons per acre, you make it on uh, sugar recovery this matches our second best sugar recovery in 2017. You can see 2016 uh, was our, uh, that's really our record sugar recovery. 16 and 17 we had straight crops, you could top them, dry grindings, and we had all that except in that little part of southeast Louisiana so y'all mostly cut straight cane and a dry grinding. So, now through a bunch of modern numbers out there. You want to know what your grandfathers and great-grandfathers were doing? <coughs> That's uh, 1931 yield numbers for the state. 156,000 tons of sugar. What did we just make? 1.832 million tons of sugar. And you can see the 10-year average prior to that. Sugar per ton, 140.3 sugar was so low they had to use decimal places to make it look better (laughs) tons per acre 15.1 ah you know they was tickle pink you know i mean 20 tons was man that's that was high cotton right sugar per acre 2119. so look we doubled sugar per acre from 1930 to 1970 and from 1970 to today we've doubled sugar per acre again let that roll around in your brain and when you determine what the value of research and technology brings to a farming operation. Sugar per acre, put everything together, 7842. That's a long way from 2112 pounds of sugar per acre. So turned out to be a really good crop. Variety survey is still a 299 crop out there. Uh, You see a lot of 10 percenters, 540, 283, 804. You know, when you see 10 percenters, they tend to niche out in certain areas. Um, A lot of 615 was planted. That variety is probably on an increase after 299. May have been the most widely planted variety um, this past year. And this number continues to go higher. It makes sense because we are planting a lot of 299, but 23% of our crop is in third and older stubble. And, you know, I always call it the money crop, you know, when you can get past third stubble and uh, amortize those planting costs along more crops. That's that's always good for the bottom line. Outfield plant cane data. This just kind of give you an idea of what's coming down the pipe. You know that, On the left side, got 299 at the top. That's obviously everything that we're comparing to. The 214 series varieties, the 267 and the 885 that we released last year. You got 215 series varieties, 306 and 508. They're up for release this spring with seed cane available this summer. And there's some 17 series varieties coming down. That last one is a Florida variety. We just wanted to put it in the trials and see how some of the better adapted Florida varieties uh, handle themselves in Louisiana. So a lot of numbers, but look the breeding program uh, is in good shape. Uh, 885 appears to be something comparable to uh, 299, 615, you got varieties that stubble. And that's the uh, third stubble data. That's on about five or six locations, mostly sandy land tests. But you can see 299 at 6600. You know, you got things like 804, 615, the 214 series varieties. You got varieties in the neighborhood of 299 production, and that's good news. Other issues, you know, seed cane fields continue to be a problem. Two years ago was 299, that was struggling. It did fairly decent last year, but then you got fields like this, that's 615 on the right. Two years ago, 615 seed cane looked really good. Last year, there were some problems. So, and that's some 183 on the left side of it. 630 was part of that 12 series. This is just another uh, seed cane field. That secondary station planted it. But just to show you, it's kind of a range of varieties and it's hit and miss. And uh, we've got Dr. Andre Reyes right here and another plant physiologist at the Homer station, kind of putting the bug in their ears. We need to start looking at this issue with uh, seed cane and its regrowth. I was visiting Kelly and them. They were sitting there <coughs> mules and, uh, you know, getting them ready. That's <laughs> Kelly. He waved. <laughs> He's just a nice guy. <laughs> tough year to cultivate, right? <clears throat> Beyond tough. So you saw a lot of these. This is just the, the Kevin Falcon and Lance Godet version of fertilizing down the middle of the uh, block. Really, Herman and I saw this uh Jim and Arrow Domain started that six or seven years ago. And their whole, the whole idea what they were going after was, you know, you get a dry grinding like we just had. Uh, they wanted to no-till some stuff without having to fertilize and off-bar aggressive. And uh, I, I know a lot of people, even in this room, made them during the season. And uh, it kind of, kind of saved us uh, on the back end of fertilizing. My cousin sent this and that's not the Ohio River emptying into the Mississippi River, but it kind of looks like it if you've ever seen that. But the water on the right, that's the, that's the end of a ditch or a field drain coming out of a, a, a cultivated field, and the uh, ditch that's draining the swamp. And a lot of field soil in that water, right? So we had a field day in Pankerville, and Dr. Brenda Tubanya does the soil fertility work, and I asked her a question because everybody wants to know about nitrogen <coughs> loss. Where are we losing it? And she's measured nitrogen loss in the water and nitrogen loss in the soil. That's the two ways you can, you can lose it. I so said, which one do we lose more with? She goes, by far we lose more with the soil than we do with the water. So you keep the dirt in the field, you keep the nitrogen. That's why I like those fertilized down the middle rigs. You're not disturbing. We're coming off of a dry grind, and you know, we don't have to go out there and off-bought twice and cultivate four times after that to make the crop. So, you know, with high cost and everything, and, you know, maybe you want to park the tractors for a little bit, keep the soil, keep the nitrogen. Yeah, something to think about. Well, how the family farm, you know? They, they'll, they'll get it right one year, but... <coughs> This is June the 5th, you know, and this field was fertilized late. This little strip was fertilized very late, and this part was fertilized ridiculously late. I mean, that, 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 were you, that was the choice last year. You know, a lot of times you decide between good and best, best and better. Well, last year it was between worse and way worse, bad and super bad. I bet that's what Mother Nature gave you. So, remember these these two fields because I took some leaf tissue samples. Now, so in early August, it's like, all right, what's the nitrogen status of the crop out there? We We, we knew we fertilized late, we knew it wasn't perfect, so it's a lot of numbers, but The critical level for nitrogen is 1.8%. You want to at least keep it above that, and really you need to be between 2 and 2.6%. So if you look on this column, it doesn't matter where you are, you don't see a lot of numbers above 2%, right? So we lost a lot of nitrogen, we know that. Those two fields I talked about, St. John Parish, St. John Parish, that first one was the ridiculously late with the mud mass to dribble it on top of the row. That cane greened up. And it you know, it looked as green in August as the other two sections did. But just because you got nitrogen in the plant doesn't mean it yielded the same. Because if you don't get the nitrogen out timely, like hopefully in April, you know, you set stalk number and you've set stalk diameter already. And even though you went back and you greened them up a little bit the damage was already done in terms of nitrogen. So, but again, uh, just to get an idea of where we were, um, you know, West Baton Rouge Parish, it was a little bit drier. That was some really pretty 299, and, you know, that 2.17 is really kind of where you need to be. So the further south you went, the more rust. Uh, This, again, is St. John Parish. That's 2.83 around six rows of 299. 299's got a BRU1, it's a brown rust resistance gene, and you know, it just doesn't pick up rust. 283, which has the same parents, their are brothers and sisters or brothers and brothers, however it works in um, doesn't have the gene. So a lot of fungicide went out or needed to go out. Uh, and then you add that stress on top of rainfall and on top of hurricanes, you know why those folks <coughs> out in that southeastern part struggled to get to 6,000 pounds of sugar per acre. Other things, you know, metrobusan has been on the EPA re-registration list for a long time. A lot of us got together, Al and some of the consultants with the Department of Ag folks, Uh, In the re-registration process, they wanted to pull it back and have a one-pound application per year limit. Unacceptable. We wrote a letter, made our case. They were basing some of their information on bad data. But, boy, nothing's getting out of EPA very quickly. It's still in the re-registration process. Maybe they'll get an interim decision by March 22nd. Maybe they won't. They told us that last year it would be already in March. Um, with a lot of billet planning going on, a lot of interest in platinum, uh, made the same inquiry about the <coughs> label. They said that, you know, said it was gonna be labeled. Again, not much is happening on the EPA front, and it's one of those neonicotinoid um, insecticides. So there's court cases and everything involved with that class of insecticide. So not a lot happening there either so with the hurricane uh you know in the southeastern part of the world a lot of replanting had to be done you know you didn't have to replant the whole field with parts of the field or the whole field again saint john parish that's prop that the eye of the storm probably passed right over this field that was replanted that's what it looked like before christmas so those guys went through low yields and they used a lot of seed cane to plant and replant uh, their acreage. Um, this is my cousin Gary and Laurent, and this is the second year in a row that they've uh, succession planted. So they went and, and, and cut cane, and they knew they were going to try this, and so it, it even affected how they went about um, on their lay by program. This cane came out in the sub- l- end of September. They plowed it up, put the rows right back up, and let it settle. And they were lucky they got a rain on it. So they were set up in good, this is the middle of uh, November. And they had a day off on the hauling schedule and uh, hooked up the planter in this 20 acre block. Took them about six and a half hours to plant. Uh, you know, they, they didn't really do a lot to their combine. They may have speeded up the feed rollers a bit to cut a little bit longer billet. But second year in a row, uh, and this was really a fit for billet planning, I think, because the later the better for billet planning. We had a discussion last week at the Napoleonville uh, meeting. Gary said his, some of his prettiest plant came was his succession plant at 299 from the previous year, and this field is in good shape. It's not emerged, but you can see a bunch of eyes below ground getting ready to come out. So. Um, something to think about. <clears throat> it was a warm December, thank goodness. You know, with the, long, with the long grinding and needed to stay warm, flowers started poking out. You can see, you saw a lot of flowers on 838, but they were all initiated if you looked at 299 and uh, 540. So I did not really have much of an effect on the crop. So I think I'm gonna end it here and uh, open it up for any questions. I'm gonna be around. I can't miss lunch, I'm hungry, so. (laughs) (laughs) Do y'all have any research on what the sugar does once that plant makes its flower? Yeah, so in the tropics, that's that's a common occurrence, right? Um, When they harvest, cane flowers when the day lengths get shorter. And normally, uh, cane would flower in early December here, but we get so cold, it doesn't. Well, what was it in December? You saw those December temperatures, 82. It takes a long time for that sugar to decrease. I mean, I I, I think that initiation of flowering for us had minimal, minimal impact. You still have a nice green canopy. It takes a green canopy to make sugar and a green canopy to keep sugar. So you're essentially killing the growing point because the growing point goes from vegetative to reproductive. What happens with a ripener? We kill the growing point, right? It's a slow death, and we keep the green canopy. So, that's a long answer to your question, but it it shouldn't have had much. It should have had, initially, a positive effect. Dr. Grabo, on your slides, 16 and 26, and then this year were the three wettest years. I know you don't have the data from the 20s, But in several of these slides, you had 15 to now, and in every slide, everything increased the year after the big flood of 16. Does that give you some optimism for yields for next year? And I know you don't know what Mother Nature's gonna give us for 2022, but but... Look, all right. When you look at the weather data, rainfall and temperature, the two biggest things that affect the 2022 crop is the amount of rainfall you had in November and December of this past grind. Every time you do those regressions, the two things that come out were how wet was November and December from the previous crop. Check the box. That's man, that's great. Remember, I said a drought in wintertime never killed a cane crop. Man, it's been dry. Check the box. And a crop that made 6,000 pounds of sugar per acre the next year can make 8,000 pounds of sugar per acre if you got the same stand. So just because you may have had some low-yielding fields due to weather or whatever doesn't mean that they're going to be necessarily limited the following year. So right now, I'm bullish on the 2022 crop. All right, that's it.